Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are the Managing Director of the Sibylla Masters Fund, and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. Hi, Jillian. Hey, Ann. I'm all fired up today. It's been Groundhog Day around here since about, I don't know, February 24, 25, something like that in Seattle anyway. And I've been watching spring, you know, come and go, mostly from my windows. I assume you're doing the same thing in Philly, right? Oh, yeah. You know, okay. love my windows. <laughs> Hashtag window seat. Check out the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, I live by the water. The views are beautiful in any weather and at any time of day. I get that. But, man, I've got some pent-up energy, and I really need to blow the lid off a subject that you and I bellyache all the time about. You mean within our blowing the lid off or ripping the lid off everything to do with VCs and venture capital at VC Confidential? <laughs> now, how did you guess? <laughs> well, because I know you, my dear. Uh, okay, let's have it. I assume that we will be talking about, wait for it, valuations. Now, how in the world did you figure that one out? Of course, we're going to talk about valuations. Um, lately, you know, you sent me a link um, from Elizabeth Yin's always brilliant posts. Um, one of them recently covered the basics of valuations. And as I recall, Elizabeth points out there, and I completely agree. I'll quote, folks, valuations for seed stage companies are fairly arbitrary and driven solely by supply and demand. Supply, the amount of your round and the demand, the investor demand. I would agree, but I would add that valuations continued to be surprisingly and dangerously arbitrary throughout the lifetime of companies, both private and public. And it's not just an early startup phase issue. So this is, you know, what a rip. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm with you on this. It's, it's always kind of mystified me, valuations, uh -huh. you know, as there seemed like some sort of voodoo, you know. Yes, it I understand is. what she's saying about supply and demand. Yes, that makes some sense. But, you know, you say I'm, I'm raising, I don't know, let's just make up some numbers. I'm raising a 1.5 on a 4.5 valuation. I don't know. That doesn't mean anything to me. It's monopoly money, you know? Yeah. So interposed about how VCs make money, which curiously, ta-da, has something to do with valuations. Uh, we'll get to that later. Elizabeth included a simple chart that explains how valuations work uh, on one of her posts. And it was interesting because she did this on a piece of paper with a Sharpie pen mm -hmm. uh, instead of a fancy chart. It was really well done. Uh, we'll put the link up on our um, LinkedIn page on our announcements of, of the, when this show is live and you can go see it because it's really well done. Anyway, seems like a good place to start. So I know it's radio. Radio does not have visuals, never has, and never <laughs> will. But can you paint that chart in words? Yeah, sure can. So here's how it works. Now, if you're at home, and you should be, 
grab a paper and a pencil and sketch this out. Now, if you're jogging, you know, stay six feet away from that oncoming foot traffic, concentrate. You're still going to get this, I promise. Here's how it works. You have, say, I don't know, four to six companies. You invest some amount of money. Let's see, in company A, you put 5,000 bucks in. And, and these are very small numbers, but, you know, VCs, you can say, you know, you're putting 500,000 or, or at least 5 million or something like that. All right. Let's just use these numbers, though. Company A, you put down 5,000 bucks. All right. It had some kind of value at the time, the company. We're not even going to talk about that. Yeah. But today, the paper value of that is zero because the company didn't survive. So your markup multiple, nothing. Okay. Zippo. Company B, same problem. Company C, same problem. Because this is equity venture capital. These things happen all the time. Now, company D, all right? You've got 10,000 bucks in those guys. And it's still worth 10,000 bucks today. It's considered a markup multiple of one. That kind Which is of, what they mean by the one X, right? Yeah, but it's a little specious there. Right there, it's a little specious. You invested 10000 You can get 10000 back. You, you know, you haven't made any money. Right. Okay. In fact, because you didn't invest it, say, in, I don't know, the stock market, which averages 8% a year, you've actually lost money. There you go. Okay. Now, let's do it again. You put in 10,000 and now it's worth 85,000. Ooh, an 8.5 multiple. All right? And this can go on. You put in 5,000 and you get 50,000 valuation today, 10x multiple. Now, the question is, who sets that number? How do you know it's worth that today if there's no public market for it? Right. That's my question. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk about how those valuations are calculated. Right. And after that, we got a couple of more questions, right? This oh, was a good lots, primer, right? <laughs> lots of, okay. lots of questions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a good primer, right? You put money down, you get money back at the end, right? That's how the valuations are considered, the pre-money valuation, a post-money valuation, and your future valuation. We've got all those three pieces in, in place so far. So the first question is, who the hell sets your, your startup's valuation anyway? The answer is, you do, the entrepreneur. You, the buyer, does. Okay. Right? Oh, excuse me, the seller. Sorry, you, the seller, sets that, right? And, of course, your buyer also helps to set it. It's like anything else that's, uh, you know, sold on the planet. The cost of a thing is based on what the seller asks for it and what the buyer is willing to pay for it. And that's what Elizabeth is talking about, right? When you set a valuation for your company, you're really just, you know, firing the first salvo. If somebody bites, great. But generally, there's going to be some kind of negotiation at the VC level and sometimes at the angel level as well. In other words, you'll hear that a VC might be interested in investing, but they want you to consider setting your valuation lower, right? In a future podcast, we'll talk about how angels do that and so on and how valuations work with convertible notes and all of that. Right now, we're talking about VCs. Right. 
And if they come to you suggesting you set your valuation at a lower price, is that good news or bad news? Well, how should I say? It's just news. Oh, okay. I mean, it just is right at this point. You're just beginning to have this negotiation. You're finding out where the number will sit when you start. Okay, right. so that so that makes sense, and it aligns with what Elizabeth said. It's a supply and demand situation, so the sell, seller sets the price, and then learns whether there are willing buyers. It's kind of like if you're selling your house or your car or anything else, right? Right. Applying that to our subject today, I'd say the takeaway, folks, is this: don't set your valuation so high that no one will bid on it, if you will. In other words, no one will consider investing in your company because they don't see the valuation as being anywhere near realistic. Yeah. On the flip side, don't set your valuation too low. One, if you do get investors, you'll be handing over way too much stock for the capital you raise. And or two, the investors will think you are too early and will want to wait to invest until you have accomplished more milestones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's move on to how an entrepreneur should set that first salvo of evaluation. Jillian, how does that work? How does an entrepreneur set her first valuation or any valuation for that matter? And we got to go to break in about a minute. So give us the intro and then we'll come back to it. Sounds good to me. So getting your arms around the value of your company should include the consideration of things like um, the global size of your problem, coupled with the power of your solution, the competitive landscape, and the likelihood that you're going to be able to acquire a significant portion of the market at a reasonable cost per acquisition of your customers. Once you know what is it going to cost me to build this company into a global behemoth, how likely is it can, that I can really do this? In other words, is my IP protected if I really come up with something different and so on? And what is the value of having done all of that? I mean, did I do something around tiddlywinks or did I do something, you know, around rocket science and then suddenly the world is going to be occupying Mars, right? The size of what you're talking about will help you to set that valuation. That makes perfect sense. So I have so many more questions about valuation, and we're going to go into those after the break. But right now, we do need to take a break for our sponsors, speaking of value. And uh, this is VC, VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital, and in particular, before the break, we opened the conversation about valuations. And we said valuations are the price that an entrepreneur sets for his company or hers in an effort to find investors who would be the buyers. So it's supply and demand, according to our friend Elizabeth Yin. Great. I get that. I have a whole bunch of questions. Okay. So let's return to that concept of how the valuation is set. Okay. All right. The first one really is the size of the problem. Uh, sometimes one uh, raises money for, I don't know, a new food product, uh, um, uh, fancy bicycles, whatever, that sort of thing, right? Those kinds of capital raises are generally angel capital raises. They could be crowdsourcing, stuff like that. But this one, this conversation is going to focus around venture capital. This assumes that you're building a globally scalable company that has a serious possibility of global domination. So by its very nature, it sits in the world of things like um, uh, Google, Facebook, uh, Expedia, uh, those kinds of companies, right? Now, Regardless of the field that you're in, it could be something like a Boeing company, could be physical uh, uh, product like airplanes and so on, right? It nevertheless is a globally dominating size, whatever, you know, you're raising your capital for. Assuming that, right, your first valuation begins kind of automatically in the millions and millions of dollars. In order to build the kind of things that you're looking for, it takes quite a bit of capital. It isn't about the capital required to build the IP, for example, to launch something like a Facebook, took relatively little amount of capital, right? It was a simple piece as they began, uh, same with Google and so on, simple pieces when you begin becoming more complex over time. The real cost is in the acquisition of the consumer. They, it's not a build it and they'll come, right? That's when you have to figure these things out. What's it really going to take? But when you paint that picture of the financial projection, as you look at what's possible, let's say you take in 10 million bucks, at which point your company has to be valued at at least 20 or 30. Just for its idea, you have to say, all right, what's protectable in terms of IP? Or is somebody else going to just do this, right? All of those kinds of things, right? But when you take that all into account and say, all right, assuming I raise 10 million bucks, how many customers can I acquire? What's it going to be worth at the next stage of this thing? And what's it going to be worth at the end game? If your end game is really close to a billion or more, 
or more than a billion or several billion. Now you're talking a real game that VCs want to play, right? If you're going to raise VC capital, play that kind of a game or don't even bother. Setting your first valuation takes into account the end game of what you seriously expect your company is going to be worth. And then you negotiate it with your VCs. Now, all of that said, let's go back into all those other questions. Well, actually, you just teed me up perfectly for my main question. Okay, you've just told us that you set a valuation based on what you believe your company will be worth. You know, what it has the capacity to become, the value has the capacity to become. Fair enough. But why? What for? What yeah. is valuation for? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's used for a number of things. One, a pre-money valuation. That says, all right, I'm going to invest in your company and I'm going to expect to get, uh, you know, X number of dollars back out of it in the future. And I figure I'm going to hold on to it for, say, 10 years before you finally go public. Uh, I think it's going to be a monster game. Today, You'll set your valuation at, say, $5 million or $10 million or $15 million, whatever that is. And once we've put the money into the company, that valuation is your pre-money valuation. Let's say it was $10 bucks, and we're going to invest $5 million more. The post-valuation money is your pre-money, which is $10 million, plus the $5 million bucks because you got $5 million bucks in the bank. So it just increased the value of the company. That five million bucks no longer belongs to the investors. It belongs to the company. So right? I just, just bought something for it. I just want to interject a really dumb question. I'm going to play the, mm-hmm. I'm not blonde, but I'm, I'm going to play dumb here. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I said, I convinced my investor that, or ers, that uh, my company's worth $10 million when I had no money. And then yep. when I get five million, is it invested? Is it then worth five million more, or is it worth ten, twenty? That you can I say? Oh no, it's a fifty million dollar company. Well, it's the same day that you receive the capital in your bank account. It's worth your original ten million bucks, the pre-money valuation, plus the five million bucks, fifteen million. Now okay. next week, when you have purchased advertisements and marketing services and who knows what, and and you went to town, right? Next week, it might be worth two or three times that amount because suddenly a million people showed up on your platform. In all likelihood, it's going to take a year or two before something seriously happens. But every time you accomplish a milestone that would say the power of this company is increasing, that's when the valuation goes up. So uh, companies like AngelSpan, with whom we work over at the Master's Fund, right? Companies like AngelSpan use a series of metrics to value companies at the pre-money stage, at the post-money stage, and at every stage along the way. They focus the entrepreneurs on the kinds of metrics that would say, is this really worth something? Even at Moz, we had a series of uh, metrics that we used that said, is this company growing? or is it contracting? Are we thriving or are we failing, right? Those kinds of metrics do not always have to do with cash or capital. It has to do with things like, 
um, for for example, at Moz, right? It was the number of people who showed up at the site. That's nice. But how many of them engaged with comments on our blogs, which were really conversations in the industry? How many submissions did we get for something called UMoz, which was a con, uh, kind of our consumer communities uh, postings and so on? Were people still engaging with these things? Were the engagements increasing over time? Those were the kinds of things that said, yes, the community is growing. If you have a community of people who are willing to engage with your brand and it increases in the amount of engagement, the number of people, all of that, there is actual value to your company. It's easier to sell to a community of people who already like your brand than it is to go pay to have your you know, ads posted at Facebook and Instagram and Google and so on and so forth. That's why we look at different kinds of metrics for companies. That's what we're focused on when we determine what it's for. Pre-money, post-money, it's certainly used when you go public, right? You have to set a number and then that's what the stock will be sold for when you go public. But immediately upon an instant, within a second of that bell ringing on Wall Street or wherever the hell you decide to go public, right? The public tells you whether or not they're willing to pay. And the price either goes up or down. Yep. Right? So we, we've seen some pretty exciting ones, right, where it went immediately crashing into the ground. It's like, oh, that was interesting. Over the next few months, things settle out usually, and then we figure that out. And finally, this is my favorite, it's used for IRR. It took me oh, freaking forever to yeah. figure that one out. It doesn't oh, yeah. mean international resource recovery, does it? <laughs> No, oh, no. Snap. <laughs> so here's the thing. It means internal rate of return. And in the end, this one really troubles me, right? And I'm, I'm blowing the lid on this one because, boy, am I going to get those cards and letters from my colleagues. The internal rate of return is a number that is calculated during the, the lifetime of a venture capital fund. Okay. So the venture capital fund says, I don't know, they raise 100 million bucks. They invest in companies. And then they track the valuation of those companies as the companies grow, but they have not yet sold or have an IPO. There is no market for it, right? So it's in there and you're all playing with the valuations and every time you invest more money in a company well it's worth that much more money so we continue to play games you have a hundred million dollar company and some colleague and you and somebody else puts in i don't know another 200 million suddenly we have a 300 million dollar company and then some other private equity group throws in another half a million uh, half a billion and, and it just keeps going right the question is did the company really make any money are they you know returning are they creating revenue here of any kind, we consistently see companies where we're still tracking eyeballs, if you will, right? We're tracking goodwill and all of these other metrics I talked about, which are suitable at the earliest stages before revenue. But these companies are going on and on and on without making sufficient revenue to sustain themselves, taking in more and more capital, with companies buying more and more of their stock. And still, we continually use this as a valuation of the companies. Collectively, they become the valuation of the portfolio fund. And the internal rate of return can increase without anybody having bought a public piece of stock. 
So I'll hang we, on with that. Yeah, <laughs> as we as we go to break, I just have to say, if we had viewers on our podcast, if it were a video cast, you could see me rolling my eyes because <laughs> what's rolling through my head right now is how is this different from magical thinking? So with that. I'm going to take us to a break and then we'll come back and see what we can wrap up about this whole topic of valuation for our listeners. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music at VC Confidential, and we will be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we're talking about today valuation. And this is something that you, as an investor, an advisor, or an entrepreneur, really need to know about venture capital. So before the break, we got into uh, who sets valuation, what is it used for, when it changes, and that old black magic IRR, internal (laughs) rate of return. So this brings me to my core question to the entire broadcast today. Whom does a high valuation benefit? Okay, I promise we'll do an entire show on the calculations of an IRR and how it all comes together because Getting your heads around that, either as an investor or as an entrepreneur, is kind of an important issue. But who it serves, I think that's an important issue, too. There are 409A valuations. These things are kind of formalized valuations of a corporation that inform the IRR of a fund. Now, a formal valuation means a third-party company has been asked to assess the value of a company. They can go in and 
determine things based on some kind of metrics. Again, some of them cash flow, some of them not. Now, when again we're talking about VC investments in fund, uh, you know, venture funded companies, often they don't have either revenue at all or sufficient revenue to really make financial calculations around that. As a result, when you look at uh, a when a valuation company right comes in to take a look at that number, they ask, "What is the purpose of the valuation?" Wow. Yeah. Doesn't that sound a little like what would you like the numbers to read were flexible? Did I mention black <laughs> magic? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, truly, this this is pretty fuzzy stuff. Now. Yeah. On the flip side, it's not illegal, if you will. They're not being sly or anything, right? They really do want to know what is the purpose of the valuation. If you want a valuation so that you have investment or you're going public, you would like a higher valuation within reason. Again, not too much that any, you know nobody's going to want to bite, but enough that it makes it worth your while. And that's whether you're going for the public market or whether you're going for a private market, in other words, raising venture capital. Now, that's one thing. The second piece would be around getting a valuation for your employees, for example, to take a strike price on their stock options. You give out stock options with a uh, compensation package, sometimes in lieu of some working capital uh, or, you know, kind of salary type things in the very early stages as well. But it's usually part of a compensation package. The question is, with a stock option, since I'm going to have to pay for that stock in order to exercise it later, I, as an employee, would prefer that the value is lower. Right. So maybe I pay a dime for the stock and I'll sell it for a buck or I pay a buck for the stock and I'll sell it for 10 bucks, that kind of thing. Right. So I prefer that it's lower. Within reason, the question is, what could that stock uh, option strike price be set at? And so you want to get something that's reasonable and defensible. Right? That's what these valuation companies do. Now you know why you might want it a little lower and why you might want it a little higher. Okay. Um, so if I think about it, the high valuation in the broader sense values, it is, is benefits whoever owns the stock, right? When the That's time right. for a liquidity event comes, whether it's a sale or an M&A or anything like that. Um, the, uh, uh, if it's a lower valuation, that of course is a benefit if they're if it's for employees. And I remember sitting through many, many board meetings mm-hmm. um, with uh, where I listened to the CEO and the CFO talk and the uh, head of the PE company talk about, okay, now we're going to set the strike price at, you know, and I, I remember those mm-hmm. discussions well. Um, right. And they they were given about the options. But to return to our core topic today, you know, you and I and Masters Fund, we really focus on venture debt. Yes. So venture debt, as we described in a previous episode, is when you take capital, but you don't uh, it trade equity shares in your company for it. That's you, right. You take capital and you pay it back as like a loan um, as uh, yes. over the life of your company. So mm-hmm. what is, does that increase your valuation when you take a venture debt or decrease yeah. it or have no effect? What? 
what does it do? Well, let's let's take a look at a company that would be profitable. Um, so we're not looking at necessarily scalable venture fundable companies. Uh, we have a grocery store. They have a certain amount of revenue, gross revenue. They have the cost of goods and operations and the gross margins in there is the difference. Um, they would have a net operating capital. And if they take out, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of loan or a million dollars worth of loan, well, it's sitting on their debt uh, columns in their accounting, right? So this actually lowers the valuation. Let's say we have a grocery chain that's worth, I don't know, a uh, hundred million bucks, right? Well, if they've got $50 million worth of debt, they're not really worth a hundred million bucks. You have to acquire the debt as well if you're going to buy this company, right? It, it yeah. lowers the value of the company. And so you want to take a look at those things. On the flip side, if you take a reasonably small amount of venture debt um, capital in order to get to the next stage of growth, you can hold on to your stock, not giving it away in exchange for capital at the earliest stages of the growth, which means that, again, you're kind of selling your stock at the lowest possible price, right? Maybe you should take venture debt money and say, yeah, I'll pay this stuff back from percentages usually of gross uh, revenues. Uh, I'll pay that back. And then when I'm ready to sell stock, I'll be at a much higher stage. Maybe you acquire more customers. Maybe you complete a product. Maybe you file for IP protection. Uh, maybe you acquire just new markets. So you've been selling in the States and now you're suddenly selling in, I don't know, Mexico, Venezuela, and uh, Brazil as well. Whatever it is that says, ah, the value of this company will increase significantly if I take this amount of capital. So I take a million bucks worth of capital, but if I leverage that capital properly, I can acquire assets of the company, again, new sales, uh, higher, um, uh, better IP, uh, better products, whatever the hell it is, right? And it will increase the value of my company, say, to $10 million worth uh, additional then the $1 million of debt is worth $10 million of value to the company. At so, that point, you might go out for venture equity. Well, indeed. And as we pointed out in, in several uh, episodes of VC Confidential before, and we will continue to point out any of this kind of funding, whether it's equity or venture debt, is for growth. It's not yes. for operations, and the point is to grow. So the difference that I see in what you just said is that if you have a venture debt, you still have your equity in your company to then um, offer to investors if you want to do an inv equity investment later. And you said, oh, sure, it lowers your valuation. Well, of course it does. That's like a balance sheet issue. But you have the power to raise that valuation by paying down the debt. It's by paying control. down the debt and also accomplishing what that capital can bring you. And with that, we are there again at VC Confidential. How Check is us it out, we, Anne. How <laughs> is it we run out of time so fast? <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. 
We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who agreed to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential. You can listen to future shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcast. You will find all our CEO Coach podcasts there as well. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are glad you joined us on VC Confidential. You can find out more about us at outlinesventure.com. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.